Hello, and welcome back to Shooting Dice. This is part two of episode one. We hope you enjoy. So now that everyone probably has their sheet together, this is how fighting works in Break. It is not like D&D where you decide initiative. Instead, uh, we will go ahead and start with the adversaries that begin to lunge at you as it is whoever begins the fight first that goes first. So the way that fights work is we begin by describing the current battle spaces between you. So... There are currently three areas in this fight. You have the area that the three of you occupy at the beginning where the door was on one side of this station. You have an empty area in the center of the station where no one is at. And then you have the area on the opposite side where these shadow skeletons have found their place. So, uh, because they're going first, I would like everyone to determine the order that they are going in once it gets to the next turn. Um, I'm fine with going last. I can go right in the middle, if uh, if you're cool yeah. with going first there, Solomon. Yeah, I'll go first. Right. So, with the uh, three skeletons, they are going to... Uh, the first two begin to move across this center area, and they are currently uh, in the middle area. Alright, so uh, the two move forward, and they have to be in the same area to be able to do attacks. If I remember correctly, I believe that is how it works, is when you have a standard reach, you have to be in the exact same area. Yeah, you can only physically attack adversaries in a different area to you with a weapon type that has an extended range, such as a missile weapon, and that is what the first skeleton is going to do. Uh, let's see who he's going to hit first would have been a reroll. So it is going to attack our champion, Solomon Salamander. And I believe he does not have an attack bonus. So let us see if he is managing to hit you at all. So this is just the 20-20 straight roll with his attack. Does a 6 hit your defense score? Uh, no, my defense is 10. All right, well, that is his entire turn so we will move on to the next skeleton they both will move forward into the center area and then they will use their action for the turn to move forward to get into your area so they are now uh surrounding you these two uh skeletons with the rapier and sword begin to charge at you it is now your turn in whichever order you feel appropriate so what you will have whenever you do uh fight is you will have uh, an action that you can do. You can move for free, depending on your speed. So average, you're able to move one area at a time, whereas fast and very fast can go two areas at a time. But you will have one action to be able to perform on your turn. These actions can range from combat actions, attack stunts, combat tricks, attack assists, or tactical actions. And of course, there's some other miscellaneous stuff that might be uh, with that or not. So for whoever is going first, please announce what you would like to do. Okay. Uh, are there any like rocks nearby? Anything like that? 
Right now, it is just a flat station of stained glass. Okay. Uh, and they're one space away? They are in your area currently. So they are able to be attacked with no extra movement. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to put my shoulder behind the shield and try to just shoulder check the hell out of one of them as hard as I okay. can. Okay. Which I do have supernatural might as well. Okay. What does all that do then? Uh, I have an edge on all roles inviving might, uh, or the GM can decide what I automatically succeed in. My strength allows me to attempt feats that are not possible by weaker folk. Also, I can enter might contests, or during a fight, you can throw other PCs up to one battlefield area away. Or hurl heavy objects as thrown weapons that do two hearts of damage instead of one. I don't think it really affects this current situation, but I just seen the opportunity to give you that information. Well, currently, it sounds like you would like to perform an attack stunt. So we are going to go forward with that. I believe uh, you have an ability into the fray, which uh, with your daring uh, fighting style. You can perform an attack stunt without making a wager. Yes. That is one thing that you can do if you would like to do that. Okay. Since this is the first time that we're doing it, that's one of your abilities for Into the Fray. So attack stunts, the way that they work is uh, we can choose a weapon or ability to strike with, then select your target as if making a standard attack. And then, uh, so you're wanting to shoulder check them. What is the desired outcome that you're trying to do for this? Like stun them, kind of push them back an Uh, area or. Yeah. And if I can do damage that, you know, that would be great. But, you know, the main goal is to like kind of get one of them pushed back and stun them. Okay. Uh, well, I will say, uh, we'll, we'll do varying degrees of success. So, uh, Uh, I have something in mind. So the way that attack stunts work is uh, roll your... Go ahead and roll a d20, adding your attack bonus. Uh, 12. All right. With a 12, you manage to hit, uh, leaning in as they're coming forward. You know, uh, although you have no memories of it, your body is able to kind of, from kind of like an experience that you don't remember moves into position and just lunges forward with a shield as one of these uh shadowy uh melting skeletons run toward you sword up ready to swing down you just check him and shove him back uh he will not move a space away but he will be stunned so uh i believe there is an official condition for that but i don't know where it's at on the sheet but it's basically elements here we go blind deaf and balloon chipped you can become chipped oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i've just been using Uh, control f to navigate through the pdf oh that's a good yeah i can't worry about it and think of that before Yeah, there's a whole lot of pages and everything spread out, so yeah. I wanted to drop that tidbit of information for you. Yeah, you know what? I should have been doing it, but I did not. Uh, there's no such thing as stun, so we will just say he will not attack on the next round. He will not get an attack action specifically. So who is next, as that is his turn? All right, so um, with my quirk, Buster Arm... 
and with me being a biomech, I have an idea of how I feel like this should play out. Okay. So I feel like almost as a reflex, without even like having to put any kind of processing into it, I move towards the other skeleton that he didn't attack as my move action, and I raise my arm. I'm going to go ahead and establish it as my... Like, I don't know if it's one single arm or if it's both arms. It doesn't really specify. So uh, I'm gonna it raise... is up to you if you want it to be both. Yeah, let's let's do both. I'm going to raise right. my left arm to the one that has not been pushed back. And says right here, your right arm has an energy cannon. It is fitted in such a way that it does not inhibit your dexterity. Your cannon functions like a mechanical missile weapon except it does bright damage and does not require reloading. The disadvantages okay. are you can fire the cannon once per fight without penalty, but if discharged again during the same fight, you suffer one heart of damage for every shot you take. If you have zero hearts, uh, the weapon cannot be used. It is It just gives out a sad bleep. So I'm going to raise it to the one that hasn't been shoulder checked and i'm gonna fire that bad boy all right go ahead and roll to hit then right using your uh regular attack bonuses okay. okay so what happens is although uh in the heat of the moment you're able to activate this uh subsection function but in like uh as you're getting ready to fire and you're charging it there's kind of like a split second of wait, this is something that I can do, and when you go to fire, you mistime it as uh, Solomon is going to uh, shield bash this one skeleton. You don't properly calculate how far he's going to go back, so it just whiffs. So that will be your turn if you don't feel like moving between areas. Hmm. I, I think I'll stay with the area that I'm at. All right. It is I am now absolutely Paco's baffled. Turn. So I have a question. Yes. Um... Regarding, do we understand our abilities fully, or is this kind of like we just got them, we had to figure it out kind of deal? Uh, I will say that you have your abilities, you know how they work. Okay. So, like, any of your class abilities, you if, if you have them, you can use them. But whether or not, like, with his buster arm thing, with it being how he described a heat of the moment thing, it, mm -hmm. you, you can use them, but you can also just flavor it to be like a whoa, I can do that. Okay. I mean, that just kind of fits well with my character's history and everything. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I, I want to do something, but if that's the case, then I don't know if canonically I would be able to right now. Well, I mean, go ahead and say what you want to do and we'll find out. Um, I want to use uh, Marlowe, but okay. I don't know how to bring up how like the conditions to summon Marlowe. Well, I believe you uh, describe how you summon him. You have to speak his name calmly, and Marlowe, a servant-like spirit, emerges from the shadow to do your bidding. Summoning takes one action, and it requires a grit check. If you succeed, he actually gets summoned. If you fail, um, he will gently refuse your request and promptly vanish. After a failed summoning, Marlowe cannot be called again for 24 hours. Okay, uh, what are you checking against? Does it say... It just takes an action, it seems like. So he would be able to summon it, but not use it. Right, but I'm wanting to know what the check that you're trying to get 
for it. Oh, is. grit. Yeah. Like what? What is what? Are, what are you trying to get lower than? Because the way that checks work is you need to get lower than the number. So it just says requires a grit check. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, so you're trying to roll below your grit stat. Roll below your grit stat. Okay. Yes. So wait, then what does that mean for my attack where I rolled very low? Uh, because it was an attack roll, it's you're trying to lo- roll higher than the opponent's defense rating. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So checks it's, it's are... It's making your, sense now. Right. So uh, an aptitude for your check is selected. The aptitude you used is described in the ability or rule that you're using. And, you know, we're choosing the one. And then I declare if you have any uh, bonuses or penalties for it, then you apply for all of that. And what it is is uh, if the result of your roll is equal or lower than the selected aptitude score, you succeed. So the scores that you get for your class determine what your checks are that you're trying to roll below. That's how it works. It's just all the way at the end of the book to understand how that works. So now we know. Okay, so for this, Paco looks at his now new comrades in this fight doing what they can. He musters up the courage to try to do something. He looks at his staff, doesn't really have a lot of faith that he can make the most of it, but he hears words echo in around his mind. Just Marlo, Marlo. So he utters them. Very gently. Make your grit check. Alright, is that above or below? I don't know what your grit that's score below. is. Wait, no, that's above by one. That's what I meant to say. Alright, well, uh, what happens is you call out and uh, you hear the clattering of uh, skeletal bones almost. And to the side of you, you see almost like a Lego man that puts himself together is this skeleton in a very fancy like butler outfit. And he just looks around at the situation and uh, looks at Paco and he says, Ah, my lord Paco, I I apologize. I will not be able to help at this moment. Good luck. And he will uh, (laughs) break apart and disappear again. Wait, wait, who? who, Marlo? (laughs) I believe that is how it works. Yes. Um, there's no chance you could stay. He has gone. (laughs) So, uh, failing your grit check, that is what happens for you. Yes, Marlo gently refuses your request and promptly vanishes. So, after a failed summon, Marlo can't be called again for 24 hours. I didn't like him anyways. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't say that. He might help us later. (laughs) Be nice to the guy, huh? Yeah. That's unfortunate. I like how y'all are berating me mid battle <laughs> while they're trying to fight. We're just You're like, like what? We're just like, Jesus, Paco. Good lord, take it easy on <laughs> Even That's... the uh even the skeletons that are melting are just like they stand there and they just kinda be like they hold out their hands like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like he's doing his best. Look, it's the end of my turn. What do y'all go? <laughs> One of the skeletons just shrugs and is like, okay. And it is now his turn. So uh, one of them is currently stunned, but the other one with the sword is going to swing out, and we're going to see who they hit. 
So starting from the top, going down, rolling a D3, two, that is going to be the one that summoned a skeleton and <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be against one Paco that he goes. <laughs> so let's see if he can hit. Uh, does a 15 hit your defense? I don't think you have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, skeleton, uh, the way that it happens is he just runs up and starts to take a swipe at you. But last second, you're able to kind of dodge out of the way, uh, not taking any injuries from the hit. But uh, you lose one heart. Ah. As hearts. Yep, hearts oh, represent your stamina as well as uh, your ability to fight and your moral, I guess, courage to stay in the fight, you know? So they don't necessarily incur damage, as that is what injuries do in this format. So it is uh, the missile. Uh, the guy in the back is going to go ahead and fire, and he's going to uh, take a shot. <laughs> again at Paco. They really took a disliking to you for the skeleton. <laughs> They're just like, you what take... an asshole. <laughs> they the, they this... really did not like how I treated Marlo. So, they come in, you know, the first skeleton, uh, like, a melting skeleton takes a swing and you're able to kind of dodge out of the way but with your cat-like reflexes you're able to hear the whistling of a uh, like oiled arrow kind of make your way to you and just last second it kind of clips your shoulder as you're trying to dodge out of the way like Spider-Man in the first movie with the Green Goblin just <laughs> and uh, you take another heart of damage but that is the uh the opponent's turn. It is now back to you guys. Determine the order you would like to go in, and then go in that order. Are they going to beat me up too? Uh, I guess since I went first last time, I'll go first this time. If that's okay. Yep. The really good thing about break is you just determine the order at any time. So if okay. someone wants to go first, because it is like very teamworky. So if someone has an ability that might help out, that person can go first, and then everyone can get like. Can I go first it. then? Since like they're all right next to me, yeah. trying to beat me up, I want to retaliate a little. All right, how do you do so? Um, I'm just gonna take the staff that I have and just swing it right at one of their heads. All right. So because you have an arc weapon, I believe how they work. Also, technical question. I think Heretic only uses um, swords and lashes. Well, we don't know the rules at the moment. So, you know, the staff is an arc weapon because it's a staff. So you have one. (laughs) Can I pretend it's a lash? Uh, Listen, I just have a shield. That's a joke. No, but... Uh, let me see where it is at. Actually, well, mm, it does say missile weapons, right? And it just has highlighted thrown. Could I try throwing it? Because that would... I think it has to constitute as ammunition. Okay. Well, no, if you want to throw it, you can. Uh, Absolutely, it will be... I'm going to throw it then. Its range is up to one battlefield away, so uh, nice. you currently have the ones that are around you. Uh, Paco is going to attack the the last one who just attacked Paco, of course, by throwing his mage staff at the head of his opponent. Okay, so are you going for the one with the sword, the rapier, or the bow and arrow? We'll go with 
rapier. Rapier guy? Okay, you're just gonna chuck it at him, so roll for your staff. Alright, 13, you managed to hit uh, the first one dealing damage specifically that managed to hit. Uh, So you throw your staff at him, and what happens is you just kind of hike it up like a javelin and you chuck it out, going for the head of this skeleton, and when you do, uh, the staff kind of uh, like uh, a rock hitting oil just stumps into this thing's face and it just falls to the ground and the skeleton melts along with it. That skeleton is out of the fight. Uh, quick question. What is chain attack? It. I looked it up. It doesn't specifically say, but at rank one with uh, my combat momentum ability, it says you have one chain attack per round. So right, and then below like- that it says at rank one you have one in chain attack per round, which has a minor bonus on the attack roll and does an extra heart of damage if you land a successful strike. But is that like an attack after? Is that like two attacks? Because the chain attack it being chained kind of makes yes, me but that. that's against another foe. Whenever if you land a finishing blow against an opponent in melee you gain a chain attack against another foe in the same area. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So you can basically, if you kill one enemy, you can attack another one. Okay. Are you wanting to go? Handy? I'm reading the name of Hang on. Okay, I guess I'll go in that case. Uh, So the one that I shoulder checked with my shield, uh, which I'm going to say is in my left hand, I'm keeping the shield in my left. Uh, I'm just going to swing my fist uh, with my right hand. The way that that works, because there are unarmed attacks, unarmed strikes suffer a snag on their attack roll when directed at armored or unarmored enemies, and then they just don't do any extra damage. So this is basically, uh, they're not armored, but they are armed. So... This is our first instance of a snag. So in this game, the way that they handle advantage and disadvantage, they instead are uh, snags and edges. Okay. So you will roll this with a snag, which is you roll twice and you take the lowest, but you will still add your attack bonus since you are attacking unarmed. Okay. Uh, And I was wrong before about my attack bonus the last attack. I was looking over the book, and it's actually two, so okay, that would be a ten. Yep, so ten hits, you're able to strike out a punch hitting this one, uh, a, like, oiled, shadowy skeleton, like, just square in the chest, and when you do, he just freaking Lego Man style just flies away, all of his bits and pieces being destroyed and spun around everywhere as it melts away. Okay. And uh, so then I get my chain attack as well after that, right? Yes, but they have to be in the same area as you. And the uh, the bow and arrow skeleton is currently two areas away on the other side of the uh, station. I mean, I'm still in the middle area from where I moved in to attack. So you have not gone uh, yet. You still have... No, I uh, guess uh, theoretically I could go in and try the cannon again, but I will be down to zero hearts. Or no, I'll be down to one heart because I have two hearts. So I want to do that. Go ahead. Take the heart of damage and then uh, roll to hit. All right. So I rolled D20 and then um, do I have any modifiers? Is this just to hit? You add your attack bonus. Okay. 
Uh, I believe my type bonus is zero. Uh, I got a nine. Nine. Uh, there's no way that you don't have an attack bonus. Hang on. You should have an attack bonus. Oh, well, never mind. You do only have a plus zero attack bonus and shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... So I... With, I miss. Yeah, it just again, you're not used to using the buster arm. And whenever you go to aim, uh, the skeleton is able to kind of like dodge to the side as whenever you uh, feel the energy kind of drain from you a lot more than the first attack as you can feel uh, kind of your circuits uh, kind of lose power as they're not able to keep up with the output. So the skeleton is able to dodge to the side and... If you would like to move or anything else like that, you may. Otherwise, it will go over to uh, that skeleton's turn. I suppose since I can take a move action again next turn, I would like to move away from the skeleton. All right. So you move into the same area that everyone else is in, and the uh, mm-hmm. skeleton is just going to, on his turn, kind of take a look at what has happened to his two comrades, take a look at you guys, look at its bow, do the math, and... <laughs> uh, melt he will just leave <laughs> oh what a what a what a right. come on we were having a All good right. fight there this outcome seems preferable yeah I guess. All right. so everyone's hearts return back to their maximum as they only count per fight and I would like to point this out. Inside of break, it does say, instead of, like, rolling initiative, you just say, fight, start. And then when it's over, fight, end. <laughs> like, you're telling Siri to do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, after the fight, is there anything you guys would like to do? So, Lair, there's, like, nothing left of these guys. Nope. They pretty much just melted into the floor and disappeared. Okay. I'm just going to walk around look at all the the glass on the floor see if there's anything we could depict from it yep so uh as you're looking around and you're uh kind of investigating the stained glass uh uh, again the what you're able to make out from it is that it is this world map that is kind of overshadowed by this uh a dead star basically as it is just white it kind of has little patches of like gray in it kind of like craters but it is white and uh unmoving but as far as you are aware in this black void uh there is not much else uh i'm gonna say to handy i'm just gonna be like what uh what was that bud uh it looked like you were trying to do something there a couple of times and it just uh didn't really pan out what was that going on Seems I've responded purely off of instinct from, uh, I would assume, an ability that I possess without my knowledge. I will have to do further investigation to give you an accurate answer. All right, yeah, yeah, you just keep working at that. Uh, Paco, how are you holding up, bud? Uh, still a little upset uh, about the whole Marlo situation, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty okay. Listen, I mean, you are you upset at Marlo? Yeah. It seemed that way. Yeah, you you gave him a pretty good uh, talking to there. Maybe uh, take it easier on the guy. Easier? uh, In all. Yeah. I'm offended. Why? Why should I be easier on someone who I begged for help and they didn't even help? 
They said, oh, I'm busy. I'm sorry. I'm about to die. Well, I mean, maybe you had some stuff to do. You don't know. What is more important than helping me out? I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm doing, I suppose. So and I you're guess... doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you, Paco. That was nice. You hear that, Handy? He said he said something nice. I'm detecting hints of sarcasm coming from Paco. See, what? this is the gray area. I, I, I don't quite understand. I don't either, man. But uh, I'll take it as a compliment, Paco. Thank you. However, you meant it. But uh, I'm gonna search the area, see if I can uh, find anything. I will compile more of this data for gray area. So now we enter into another portion of the focused rules that are available in Break. We had combat. So now we are moving on into the exploration rules. Let me okay. Pull down over into what it takes to go in and explore an area. Step one, decide where to enter the site. You're already in it. So now we need you to set up your exploration team. You have a total of four positions to decide of what you're doing. You have your rear guard, you have your observer, your vanguard, and your scout. I believe um, Handy would do best as an observer. Kind of so you have your his, observer. Uh, strong suits. What about Paco and Solomon? Yeah, don't all chime in at once, fellas. Uh, rear guard for old good old Paco. Yeah, I guess I would uh, uh, take up the scout. Alright, so here are the rules for your position. Uh, the observer, if you are attacked from the front but have a vanguard in position, you cannot be targeted by the enemy for one turn if you only perform a tactical action. A rear guard protects you in a similar fashion from behind. The rear guard, you defend the rear and making sure you're not being stalked, so if a trap or blast is set off behind you, you can choose to shield the PCs in front of you from its effects, before fit any checks to avoid the effects yourself. If a PC in front of you are attacked, you cannot be targeted by the enemy for one turn if you only prefer an tactical action. Uh, I didn't say this earlier, but observers uh, study the surroundings looking for small details easily missed by others. And then a scout moves ahead of the pack, and provides advance notice of any potential threats. You arrive at a location first and can use a different movement type to the rest of the other PCs. If you get in trouble, it will take one turn before you or the other PCs can get there to assist. So right now, uh, in the current location, you have these current actions that you can do. You can inspect, you can linger, or you can move. Inspect, I guess, because where are we gonna move? Where I mean, you're not wrong. Fair. So, so right now, uh... guess I've done my job as a scout, huh? Yeah, I'm about to inspect the shit out of this area, <laughs> and I'm gonna be oh, chilling in the back. Okay. That's interesting. So it comes up and says that. Uh, in this case, inspecting uh, prompts me to roll for a wandering encounter. Uh, I oh. don't have a site encounter available because <laughs> they don't give one which is unfortunate but of course this would probably be something i would have to do uh will simply roll a d20 and determine what happens so uh with inspecting the environment you guys are able to figure out everything you guys don't really have much to actually inspect because you're currently just standing on a uh just a large station of uh, stained glass and as you walk around, you know, you just take a look, you try to look out, but uh, as you get to the 
edge of the uh, dais, you hear a uh, kind of like a kind of sound as you're getting close to the edge. And you see that there is like uh, kind of like this semi-invisible like uh, shining step that kind of appears on the edge where it's it kind of is just like a large rectangle that is kind of off to the side of the station that is, uh, like I said, kind of glowing with a little bit of light, but it's kind of see-through. Oh, there almost. we go, boys. We got a step. It seems... It seems I've found a way to escape this area, if you guys would like to go in this direction. It's time for Paco to take the lead. Paco gets out of rear view and just goes ahead of everyone. And uh, I I heard, like, a noise. Did one of you uh, boys uh, happen to toot? I heard something. I don't know if you can, Handy. I am not. So, Paco... that noise wasn't really the biggest of my concerns right now, so I could care less. Well, I'm just asking, because, you know, that'd be funny if, you know, it's a serious situation and then one of your boys just let it rip, you know? Look, but, all I'm saying is that stairs are here, we take the stairs. Oh, yeah. We, we have no other stairs. choice. Who cares about the sound? Okay, I mean, yeah. I don't we'll take sarcasm, so. That's good, that's good. All right, on down we go. All right, so is Paco now moving ahead to the scout position, or...? Paco is in the scout position, baby. All right, so uh, the next one that you are going to uh, take is the move action. You can move forward into the unknown or quickly retrace your steps. So this I now must ask, uh, how will you be moving forward? Will it be cautious movement Hasty movement or stealthy movement? Paco uh, would like to do hasty. He just get into the next place. All right. So I'm the just way of keep pace with our scout. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the way that it works is the scout moves ahead of the pack and will arrive at the location first. So uh, you will go ahead and step on the stairs, uh, Paco. And when you do jump onto the stairs, you hear that same uh, vroom kind of happen multiple times as before you uh, a ton of these platforms just kind of reach out and start going off into the darkness and although you don't see the direction that it is taking uh, you can very easily jump from one platform to the other they're not really connected to each other but there is space between them so as you begin to move down it takes a little bit of time as uh by the time handy and solomon realize that you're just kind of booking it they have to start trying to keep pace with you uh you manage to keep going forward and what you see before you is a uh in the distance you're able to see another one of these stations but you don't see like the top of it you see the sides where these huge like stained glass cathedral windows just kind of come out from the darkness and hold up this uh station and as you're moving along in the station the same uh shadows that had appeared before you begin to crawl out from the light being emitted faintly by these stairs and these shadows appear uh one space in front of you and it is two more of these uh oily skeletal men however 
This time, their appearance is not that of a skeleton. It is more, uh, they have more, like, full-bodiedness to them, so they're not skeletons. They're actually people, but they're still made out of, like, this oily substance where uh, they kind of melt and creak along, and they're each holding, you know, standard weapons. But they have on a uh, kind of like a robe, almost. But anytime you try to discern features, it's like this oily appearance kind of like masks them. So that way you can't really tell what they are. So uh, we begin fighting again. <laughs> Paco, what do you do in this situation? As they are uh, currently... Uh, just in front of you they're kind of just blocking your way not really making any attempts at you however since you are the scout and are at this location first this first turn it will just be you as you have to wait for your party to catch up as is the danger of sending a scout ahead so paco's personality now let me know if paco is allowed to do this um immediately turn around <laughs> and start walking towards uh, his uh, comrades. Yep, you're able to do that. The kind of oily figures that have appeared on the stairway don't really take notice of you almost, as if they're waiting. Kind of like guarding the path in front of you. So you turn around and turn tail back to the group. Paco's definitely going to go back. Just be like, oh, there's... um, I... I don't want to be scout anymore. One of you guys can take care of that. Um, Why not? So it's you know I've been working so hard leading the pack, and we've been going at such a fast pace, and I was like, I'm getting kind of tired. Maybe I should head in the rear guard for a second. Pretty eager, but I'm always eager. I'm gonna go ahead and take notice of the oily figures and summon my grimoire to start recording data. All right. Uh, what does your grimoire look like since you gain access to one as a sage? Mm, I get to choose what it looks like. Yes. Hmm. <clears throat> I think... Uh... <laughs> Can we have it look something like a Pokédex rather than just like... <laughs> A big ass book. Yes, you literally <laughs> oh, just pull out the original Kanto Pokédex, <laughs> flip it open well, see, like a flip phone. It's it's not just a grimoire. It is specifically a giant grimoire. So I have a giant floating Pokédex that just comes to me at will. It manifests when I need it, and it disappears as if it was never there when I don't. Perfect. So the the way that the the record keeping works is the as long as I can maintain consistent line of sight with something, it will magically sketch that into the book and start recording data based on my interactions with it. I believe is how that second part works. Literally, <laughs> so I just straight up got a Pokédex. All right, uh, please read me the ability full. I can do that. I just pulled up the PDF. Nice. Can me and uh, Solomon have a second to just uh, 
roleplay about what we just saw. Sure, go ahead. You're free to at any time. I didn't say it. Oh. (laughs) I guess I I wouldn't know what a Pokedex is. (laughs) I mean, we're calling it a Pokedex because it's very evocative in its imagery, but Uh it's not actually a Pokedex. That That is the weirdest book I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty weird book he's got there. I don't know. That guy's shrouded in mystery. Hey, he's he's something else. I tell you. Yeah, and look, I'm gonna be real with you, okay? I okay. Yeah. Work at a guild, right? I'm a guild agent, all right. I, okay. I work in the marketplace. I'm good at selling things. Kind of my shtick, if you if you get my drift. Um. Okay. I've seen a lot of these things. Never seen yeah. one like that. Makes yeah. me a bit scared. Glad to have him on our side. I've been in the biz. I know what it's like to have someone on the opposite side. It's I I, I can't say I do, uh, but uh, talking to this guy, uh, he he's just I have no idea what he's saying half the time. Makes no sense to me. I'm sure. But, I, look, I'm sure he feels the same way about you, bud. Yeah, he may, but we, you know we have our own special way of talking. But yeah, that that book is. Uh, I've just stopped questioning that guy. He's just. I could see him do the weirdest thing and just be like, "Okay, yep, that's handy." Is this more of the sarcasm and gray area? And not there's, for me, bud. Not, not there's for me. always going to be a little bit of both. We could talk about the gray area more, but for now, why don't you uh? take care of these little guys up here all right i can go ahead and read the uh, grimoire ability if you if you guys want that yes please okay so it's called grand grimoire knowledge is your passion your grimoire is a strange tome that always or that's always at hand is filled to the brim with notes of your discoveries and experience your grand grimoire is large personalized book that is always in your hands when needed but nowhere to be found when you have no use for it only you can write in the Gwimrar, but it is quite capable of filling its own pages. It can magically sketch pictures of things you stare at for a few minutes and rec- uh, record messages you speak into its pages. Um, if you fail an insight check when attempting to recall a piece of information, you may consult your Gwimrar for clues. Stuffed full of factual tidbits, the tome will allow the GM to reveal a hint to where the elusive piece of information can be found. If you die... Your Grimoire manifests permanently. The tomes of great sages are extremely valuable. That's it. Mm. Interesting. So it, it's possible that we could find more on our journey as uh, informational pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just got this giant fucking book that magically fills itself and can apparently record audio. Damn, it's like a laptop, but better. Oh, it is... Quite literally a Pokédex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it the Twilight Dex. The Twilight Dex. So when you, uh, after a couple of minutes of staring at these oily sketches, uh, you t- can take a look at uh, the entry that your grimoire has made for them. But it, unlike most things, how you think it should work, where, you know, it should do a really good sketch... Uh, this one, it kind of gives like a kind of like an oily smattering. Like there's an outline for them, but there's no real detail. It just kind of gives the image of like dripping oil. 
kind of like a gif since okay. it's digital of just like a nice. humanoid thing that is dripping. And, and what uh, would these be called in the grimoire? Quinkin. But currently, no other information would be given. You know what? Since it's like a Pokedex, uh, the message that it would have for it as like a description, these, uh, it would probably be something along the lines of uh, Quinkin are abilities that seem to materialize out of readily made shadows. Their origins and form are or their origins are as mysterious as their proper form as they know as they don't typically keep it for long periods of time. All right, I'm going to need you to type that out and send it to me. Shit. <laughs> I'll do that later. Is your grimoire supposed to record audio? <laughs> I'll s- Twilight I'll Dex, clip that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll say that it's said out loud uh, for everyone in the nearby vicinity to hear once it's finished. And what region would you say these are from? <laughs> That's not given information. <laughs> I just said its origins are as mysterious <laughs> as its uh, morph morphing form. There we go. What route could I find these on, perhaps? Uh, you can find them right next to these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, since my hearts have been reset, and as far as I'm concerned, there's not a cooldown at all or a reloading stage for my cannon. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right up to one of them and blast them. All right, you're just gonna go ahead and blast them. Fair enough. All okay, right, could have tried to talk to the fellas, but okay. And look, that's what he wants to do. He goes up. Are you going to go into the same area as them, or are you going to give some distance? Well, hang on. To be fair, <laughs> with our previous encounter, and based on what the Twilight Dex has given us as far as information goes, I don't see any reason to not blast them. But if you have any kind of conflicting information that might give me any indication to do something else, we can discuss that. I'm just saying, I mean, like, just because those Gagalagoons that we fought before were, you know, gung-ho on killing us doesn't mean these guys are, you know? Give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, if if you would like to go forward and yeah. attempt to yeah. interact with them, I'd be more than happy to let you do yeah. that. And I will record I'll, the I'll, data I'll from the distance. Personally, um, my two cents? Fuck them. Well, that may be. But uh, I'm I'm gonna see how they're doing. See if I can strike up a conversation with them. So I start walking that way, and I'm just like, "Hi, fellas, how you doing? We just uh, we need to go down these stairs here." Uh, so they will uh speak out to you, but they don't really move. Uh, if anyone un- speaks the language dark tongue you will understand what they say. Oh, I actually, uh, I do. I got to pick, like, an extra language. And, uh, that's the one I chose, just happenstance. Alright. I couldn't write it, because the PDF was weird, but... Yeah, so I know, like, low speak and dark tongue. Uh, to... They will say, uh... Sometimes along the way, a hero need not fight, but speak to their enemy. 
Oh, I knew it. I knew it. How you guys doing? I knew you guys were some good guys. And then this is the next part of uh, unique rules that are available. They have something specific for negotiations. Negotiation procedure. We begin. Determine the primary negotiators. That is going to be between the main team, you guys, and the two Quinken that have stood before you. So uh, now you have to figure out what your objective is for this case. Uh, they are. Uh, they have currently just said in order uh, to journey along your path, sometimes heroes need not fight their enemies. So... At this point, it okay. is now the objective of <laughs> getting past them. So uh, now you choose your tactic, which in this case uh, we have. Uh, here are some tactics that are available to you. You have physical intimidation, reasoned debate, charismatic appeal, honeyed words and deceit, guilt trip, or tenacious belligerence, or random blathering. There are also influencing factors that you can determine, but at this moment, there are none. And uh, then it'll be entering the ne negotiation contest and then accept, defeat, or push your point. Uh, well, I guess... Uh, I don't know. How do you think we should go about this, boys? You know my two cents. I mean, I, I imagine... Um, so I, I assume you told us what they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I believe if they're willing to give up the route without any conflict, then maybe we should ask what it is that they would like for us to do in order to obtain that route. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to go about it, I suppose. Uh, Paco? Any suggestions here? Um, I think we should, you know, force our way through. We okay. could have already been done by now, but here okay. we are. So, uh, I guess I'll go talk to them and uh, see what uh, they might want from us to get through. So I'm going to turn around to them and I'm just going to be like, okay, boys. Uh, we want to get past you guys, okay? Uh... What do you need for that to happen? Uh, one of them will, they will both hold out their hands, just palm up. I mean, I, I suppose I could uh, hold your hands if you want me to, but uh, do, do you know what this means, Handy? Do they want me to hold their hands or like what's going on here? Uh, I have no practical knowledge on this scenario, but it seems as though they are requesting something of physical uh, uh, something of a, a physical nature. Okay. Uh, could you guys clarify? Do, do you want, like, because I mean, we don't have much here. Okay. So, like, are you wanting gold or money or because we have uh, none of that? The they will say in unison. Uh, toll for the ferryman. Well, I wonder if we were brought into this place with any other possessions. Maybe we should search our persons and see if we have been granted the proper amount for the ferry. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea there. I haven't taken the time to really, you know, rummage through the old pockets. 
All right. Whenever you do, uh, you find uh, all of the stuff that you would normally get with your starting gear, which I believe you roll a d20 to find out your starting gold specifically. But anything else you oh, get from okay. your class and your homeland and stuff, you have that available. So I'm, I'm going to tell him I'm just going to be like, oh, well, boy, uh, it seems here I've got uh, ten of these guys on me. I can give you each five. Will that uh, do? And I just place five in each of their hands. Uh, so whenever you go to place the first coin in one of their hands, uh, on the rest of them kind of just drop to the ground as only one is able to stay in their hand. And just these long, uh, kind of like clawed fingers just slowly make a fist grabbing on with this coin and his hand just lowers and he dissolves back into okay, the well, uh, ground. Guess I can pick up the rest of these guys, huh? Uh, that was a bargain. I love a good deal. So uh, let's move on through, guys. Come on. I, I knew those fellas weren't all, all bad guys. You see, you just got to talk to a guy every now and again. I will make note of this and put it in the grimoire. Yep. Sometimes, uh, whenever you come up against uh, GMCs, so like potential enemies uh, or encounters, they have a they have a mood table that I can roll on to determine how they feel about oh. you being in their area. That's actually okay. really cool. Yeah, that is. I like that. So not all enemies are actually enemies, at least in the moment that you meet them. That's very Call of Cthulhu, honestly. Yeah, I like it. So, uh, Paco, are you wanting to get back at the head of this this group here? Or? No, thank you. Okay, so I guess that uh, that means I will. Unless you do, Andy. But you seem to be the uh, see what you can see what you can see type of guy. I will follow and continue to observe as we progress forward. Okay, sounds good. Let's go, guys. All right, what's the order that you're going in? Uh, I guess I'm scout. I'm observer. Rear guard, baby. All right. Well, we will continue forward, and as you move on into the next area, you have... Uh, you finally make it to this final station. However, when you make it to this station, climbing up the stairs, leading all the way to the top... Uh, the stairs below you begin to change from this kind of weird translucent like uh, opalescent color into uh, cracks inside of it, much like the stained glass that you've been walking along this whole time. And each time you step on one, uh, more and more of this stained glass is revealed. And you see in these steps, you have the reflections that you saw whenever you picked up your weapons. And eventually, you make your way up to this top station. And all that is shown in the stained glass is a gigantic pyramid just stood in the center of this massive desert. Oh, I, I, I've seen this before. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah, whenever I was getting my weapon, this yeah. is what I saw. Okay, so y'all saw stuff too, huh? Uh, did you see anything, Andy? I, I don't believe I saw the pyramid, right, Hunter? 
Uh, no. The only person that saw the pyramid was Paco. Everyone else saw something different. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I did see things, but I have no recollection of this in my database. Okay. Okay. Well, I saw a uh, kind of uh, you could say a fishing town that was uh, getting absorbed by uh, by uh, something out in the distance. Looked like it, just a purple black you know void that just kept on taking that's what i saw but you saw the pyramid yeah i did so this has got to it's got to mean something huh i suppose well in the the flashback or whatever it was um they were going towards the pyramid who's they do you know no it was three hooded figures i couldn't really make out any features of them okay uh well, I guess uh, we'll try to pick up on this p- whole pyramid thing. It's got to mean something. So let's keep on digging in on this and see where this goes, huh? I agree. Let us move forward. Yeah. All right. Let's well, as you move toward the center, the light from the center... Uh, kind of shining on you. Uh, much like with the Quinkin before, your shadows extend out, kind of beginning to cover the rest of this area. And you hear off in the distance the sound of... Uh, well, you're able to hear something off in the distance. Something is making noise. And you hear a crashing. Not, not like the shattering glass, but like something falling over. And uh, you can see in the distance, uh, this, now with your height advantage, you kind of see uh, the light from the previous stations that you were at, uh, seeing them off in the distance kind of scattered. Uh, they begin to topple as something oh. is pushing them over and shattering them. Looks like uh, something's coming this way. I don't... Yeah, I don't have a good we have feeling company. about this yeah, I don't know uh, what it could be, but uh, everywhere we've been, is, uh, is they're going, and they're going <laughs> We need to find a way to keep on moving as fast as we can. That's uh, what I would say. We need to do. All right. I advise uh, taking a defensive position, as there is nowhere to escape. Well, yeah, fair. Okay. Solomon just puts his shield up and, like, nestles it on his leg in the direction that this noise is kind of coming from and just like digs his back foot into the whatever he can i guess just a firm planted stance with his shield up so as you guys are stancing up getting ready for a fight uh you hear kind of like all around you as if this void is shaking uh you hear crashing and the rush of footsteps as it sounds like something is entering into like a room and you hear a voice call out a, and it is raspy and uh, I, I'm not really sure how to describe it other than just trying to emulate it, I suppose, but you will hear a voice kind of call out in the distance echoing through this void as if it came from everywhere, but nowhere at once just, Find them. That divine will not be allowed to interfere with our plans anymore. 
And as you say it, the shadows that were before you, more Quinkin begin to start to appear. It's time but to get this rowdy, time, uh, when they do, it is ones of, uh, they have more definition to them. They are definitely, uh, like, uh, people in a sense, like you're able to see more, uh, less of their body is covered in this oily substance, but they have like, uh, they're wearing like robes and tunics to them, but you're still like not able to see their face and their defining features to be able to pick them out in a crowd. Okay, boy, I don't think we're going to be able to talk our way out of this one, fellas. Seems like they're already geared up. Which, to be fair, so am I, but... I'm bricked up. Do I? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Out of character. Out of character. Do I have uh, my weapon? Because I threw it, and then that was (laughs) We will assume that you picked it up. I don't think you would leave it behind. I feel like my character would, 100%. Okay, well... (laughs) If you left it behind, then I guess you did. My my bad How about for you, assuming your Jade, character. Jade, from the way it sounds, that's a very like important thing to that's going to stick around for a while throughout this uh, whole adventure we're going on, and you just tossed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Why don't I uh, roll a d20, and if I get over a 10, you grabbed it. If I get under one, you left it. I mean, I guess. No, no, no. If he says he wants to. I'm fine with leaving it. It's just, as we're preparing for this battle, Solomon sees Paco, like, realize that he never picked it up. And, like, Solomon is also like, did you not pick up your, your thingy, your staff? Well, I thought I would like it more than like a sword but then i started like i don't know i didn't feel oh, right to you so so i just kind of left it so we're in this this thing that we can't explain here and these pillars came up that said choose one and when you did you seen this pyramid that we are currently kind of seeing before these guys showed up and uh you just threw that thing that that oh okay bud okay yeah well, Not the sharpest. Short answer, yes. Uh, long answer, fuck you. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair, bud. But it, I'm not. I'm not mad at you. I'm just. I. I I'm. I'm a tad disappointed right now. But you know, we're in the we're middle here. of a fight. Can we go? <laughs> it, it seems like this is going to be a fight. Just with my morals and just everything. They're literally coming towards us. All right, Twilight Dex is out to record any new information. Uh, uh, I will I say with this the- all going on, uh, what happens is in the decks, uh, it's not able to record any new information. What comes up is a sketching of them. But the only thing that's shown is like the robe, and it's just like unknown origin. All right, gonna keep it out in case we figure anything useful out. Just let it oh, let it kind of float there. That means I have my sword. Yes, because you said that's earlier. Why, 
Yes, that's why I was like, why is he not using the sword? So I guess I had well, to Well, I, I didn't know say if we had everyone... gotten it yet or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you, once you got your class and your homeland and everything, you have everything. So you have your forgotten sword. All right, so how many of these uh, these liquid skeletons we got on us right now? All right. Currently, there are 10. But when they appeared, they showed up coming from a door. So a door has appeared on the opposite side of where you're standing, and they have started to flood in, along with these other ones that are coming out from the shadows. There are currently three areas away from you. He's just going to sprint towards the door as fast as he can with his shield up. All right. Oh, before so. you do that, I have spell push, which can push. Uh, it can affect things up to fifteen feet away. The push exerts the same amount of force as an adult human. The push is always executed with full power and cannot be used with any delicacy. If the push is used in a check or contest, the spell's might is the same as your insight. This might include uh, attempting to shove against a monster or moving a heavy stone. The push is used as an attack. It is treated as an unarmed strike, and it can be, it can strike a, at a target up to one battlefield area away. So I could move in closer and try to push them away from the door. Yeah, if that is what that. you would like to do, yeah, that, that works. All right. So you said that it was going to be a contest, right? Yeah, and the the might will be replaced with my current insight, which is eleven. All right, that's what you're trying to roll below. So let's see okay. if you can roll higher than me, but below an 11. All right, well, I got a three. I got a three as well. Oh. <laughs> so how does so I believe when this happens, hold on, let me see if I can find contest. There are rules for when you match in a contest. Okay, contest procedure uh, winning uh, special success that is not here neither of you had an edge so the largest bonus neither of us had a bonus neither of us had a penalty high snatch roll so it's a stalemate <laughs> technically i have a plus one bonus to insight is oh. that a plus one bonus or a plus one to your score it's a plus one to the score yes so that means your insight would be uh 12 if it was a base 11 from the class no, it's a base 10 from the class, plus 1 would make it 11. Yes, right. So oh. that just makes the score an 11. Bonuses are given outside of that, depending okay. on so if you got, just... like... Yep, just straight at the moment. So okay. it is a stalemate, because we both rolled a 3, and there were no edges and no penalties. Well, fellas, I tried. So you, uh, using your newfound magic given to you uh, by the staff, uh, you concentrate trying to magically shove them out of the way. And while you were able to shove, uh, I'll say you were able to shove like one or two of them out of the way, there still stands like some in front of the door kind of blocking your way out. So is there anything else you would like to do okay. for your turn since you have gone first? Mm, so does that count as my action? That is your action. So you still have your movement based on your speed. I guess I'm going to move to the space in front of the door, but not into the space. All right. So you are currently... Just to try uh, and get close up in case. 
Yep, so there are currently uh, four areas available. The one that you started in, there are two empty ones in front of you, and then the space with all the enemies at the very end with the door. So uh, with your movement, you can move one space up. So you're still two spaces away. All right. All right, who will be going next? I guess I will. Uh, I'm just, again, just full steam barreling towards the door with my shield up and while I'm running I'm just gonna kind of look to them and be like just follow me through the door boys alright so you're gonna use your action and your movement to go two spaces yeah alright so you will be just one space away from it Uh, yeah Paco it is now your turn what would you like to do Paco's not about fighting. Paco's about having others fight for him, so he's going to run towards the door. Alright. Are you using your action to also move, so two spaces? Yes, sir. Alright, you move two spaces ahead. It would now be the enemy's turn, but as they begin uh, getting ready, moving in for your charge, so that way they can break you down, the uh, sound, the cacophony of sound coming from the falling pillars off in the distance gets closer and closer and as you're getting ready to uh kind of as uh solomon is getting ready to just carve a path for everyone to get to the door you hear like wind rushing past you and you watch as this gigantic like oily hand crash down on top of this final area where the uh, door is, smashing through the pillar, causing it to break nearly in half as this hand just shatters the pillar that you're on. And uh, it completely breaks away that final area, along with all of the enemies in the door. And as you look from where the hand is, you turn to the side and you see this enormous oily monster with like a puddle of like black mucus like covering its face and its uh, whole top body while this white robe that has been stained with splotches of tar is like standing over this arena and you just hear a voice that says found you well boys seems like we're uh don't mean to be a Debbie Downer but seems like we're kind of fucked here <laughs> I can hate you. <laughs> the team here at Shooting Dice consists of Hunter Childers as our game master, Colby Gilbert who plays Solomon Sanders, Trent Hall who plays Handy the Robot, and myself, JJ Bruno who plays Paco Etel. We would also like to give thanks to our amazing friend Haley for voicing the final divine of Outer World. This could not have been done without the new TTRPG system, Break. Everybody at Shooting Dice urges you to go check it out. And if you would like to follow us on Twitter, or X, I'm not really sure what it's called anymore, you can find us at Shooting underscore Dice. We are also on threads under Shooting underscore Dice underscore Podcast. Us here at Shooting Dice, thank you for giving this episode a listen, and please don't forget to save before continuing. Solid?
So, Solomon? Solomon? Is he dead? Did he die? Can I Snake. investigate Solomon? <laughs> Snake. <laughs> Snake. 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 Damn, he got hit like I did. No, I just took... I took the longest piss of my entire life. I started that before, like, even, like, Trent decided what he was doing. And it just did. I heard you the whole time. And I was like, fucking go. <laughs> it you could just, just kept say, going. hey, pee break real quick. But yeah, uh, we, can, we can edit that out. <laughs>